you have a CRM. We actually contact the CRM, pull information about the caller from your CRM to instantly prepare you for the call. So you're not trying to remember, like the name looks familiar, but you can't remember uh, what this person's calling about. The last time you talked to them, it could be six months ago, it could be a year ago, it could be, you know, one of the 10 or 20 people you're dealing with. So we basically prepare you for the call before you even answer the call. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 312 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Got a great episode for you today. A piece of technology, first of all, that I never knew existed until I about a month ago. And we've got the founder of the company. Uh, it's, it's the, the tool is called Productive. It's a productive app. And it changes the way you will use your mobile phone. That's all I'm telling you. You got to listen in. En Lai Chu is who we're going to be talking to today. He's up in the Bay Area. Of course, where all the great technology comes out of. He's got some just some great stuff to share. And I can't wait to get this thing started. En Lai, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, you and I met just maybe about a month ago or so, maybe. And uh, we we're both working with Exit Realty on this um, really cool project they're doing. And it was really, it was nice to chat with you because um, for one, you have this amazing technology that I think I might have drilled you with a bunch of questions about. But two, um, you know, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, we we have products that we're, are going to be able to play off each other, be, I mean, help each other. I think it's just kind of a nice uh, situation. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here and, uh, you know, talking to you again. So thanks for the invite. I always ask people, uh, the very first thing I ask on the podcast is, is, you know, where you grew up, where you're from. Uh, and so I'll start that off with you. Where, where, what was home for you? Yeah, I grew up in Vancouver, uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. So if you're, uh, if you're from the Pacific Northwest, uh, the question is always, is that BC or Washington? Uh, I grew up in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, I actually went down and uh, finished off my school there and, and did my university at uh, University of British Columbia and uh, basically spent a few years uh, working there. My, my cousins had actually moved there and really liked it. So um, family decided to, to head over. I thought um, you know, brother as well. And so we all went there. Great food, great weather. If you're okay with the rain. <laughs> and just yeah, no, it was a wonderful place to grow up. It's it's the trade off of the with any of the Pacific Northwest is the rain. But I've I've been to Vancouver. It, we we journeyed up there. My wife and I, uh, my wife and I journeyed up there in 1984 for the World's Fair. You oh. probably weren't there yet. I'm just guessing. And uh, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it's a it's such a beautiful city. Uh, very, I feel it's uh, the most European city that I've ever been to in the United States. Does that make sense? Is that kind of flow? So it's really multicultural. And I think that was one of the things that um, was, was great to explore. Of course, you've got, you know, the bilingual, you know, language thing going on with French and English. Uh, and then and obviously going to different parts of the country, you, you actually feel that European uh, side of the country. 
but I, I think that was one of the big big reasons why it was so comfortable and it was almost like having the experience of traveling the world in in a single location uh, yeah. but the rain thing was really interesting because yes it does rain a lot but it's also one of those uh, opportunities for a- appreciation of sunshine so it's like when the rain stopped the clouds parted you know it's like angelic and oh you can listen to, you can hear the the angels singing and everybody's out so so yeah i think the the upside was obviously the air was clean and fresh yeah. you know almost uh, all the time so yeah i loved it yeah there. we made yeah. the quick trip over to victoria which i mean that's a whole nother world it's just really the, a cool place if you love to ski and all that other stuff. yeah i love vancouver so yeah yeah did you did you get up to whistler or or any of the local mountains no, we, we were there in the summertime and the goal was to get to the, uh, we did go to Banff and Lake Louise and all that good stuff. And so that was the fun part of the, the you know, getting sure. up into the Rockies. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No. So, I mean, I think you've got everything, every, you know, skiing, hiking and city life all in the same, uh, same location. Yeah. Well, let's get back to, let's get back to work. You get a degree in electrical engineering. Uh, from you mentioned University of British Columbia. What was the first gig out of school? I like. I had a, a good friend of mine who said it's not the first gig you get out of school; it's the second job that matters more. But so I always like to find out what that first one was. Yeah, yeah, great question. So my first gig was actually in the semiconductor industry, and okay. uh, I think that electrical engineering kind of gives you the option to, you know, venture into either software or hardware and and different industries like chip design. I started out in the application side of semiconductor, um, basically building software that controlled the robots and the manufacturing for uh, chips. So I got to travel to, you know, fabs and wear the the bunny suits. Um, And so did that as the first job out of school. Yeah. You, I'm just going to guess in high school, you knew you were going to start your own company. You had that entrepreneurial drive in you. Is that right or wrong? I I did. I, I wanted to invent. I wanted to create. I wanted to build stuff. Um, and, and interestingly, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I didn't know what that word actually meant, you know, in high school. And I remember in one of the college, uh, my college interviews, one of the questions was, who is an entrepreneur that you respect the most? And this was back in, uh, you know, uh, when I was in high school. And I didn't know who to, to say. I actually said Lee Iacocca because back at that time, so Lee Iacocca was, uh, you know, changing things around. And, and uh, I mean, I, I don't think that was the answer that that uh, the interviewer was expecting. Um, but that was really the first introduction to that word. And uh, and you're right. But once I kind of got accustomed to thinking about it, I had to make a decision on what major I was going to go, uh, go through in, in university. And it was a choice between engineering uh, or business. And I remember my conclusion was that if I started with engineering, I could go off and, you know, do an MBA or, or a, a, um, you know, a, a business degree afterwards, but I couldn't do it the other way around. Like I couldn't do a business undergrad and then get a grad in, in, uh, in engineering. So I 
started out in, in engineering and that was how I started out in engineering. And that let's let's continue the path and you end up moving uh, down south to the Bay Area, San Francisco, but south of the Bay, I think more, more Silicon Valley. And you go on to school and you get your MBA there, right? I, I did. Yeah. So I had actually joined a company, a startup in the Bay Area. So a good friend of mine moved down. They needed engineers. Um, and this was actually one of the first voice over IP companies, um, you know, that was starting at the time. Working in telecom had always intrigued me because it was a rapidly growing, you know, industry. And so I, I um, you know, jumped at the opportunity to come down to the Bay Area. Uh, and while I was here, I did my MBA at UC Berkeley because I knew I wanted to round up my skill sets, you know, on the business side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to start a company. So, so yeah, so I came down here and basically did uh, the engineering thing and, uh, and the B-school thing. So it was, it was a wonderful experience. What, looking at your, uh, you know, CV, <laughs> you, you, you've been involved with seven different companies. I, th- I think I have the right number there that have been acquired. I mean, and some of those were your companies. <laughs> so, but um, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you an expert in the process of <laughs> working at a company that gets that gets gets acquired. Talk about there, there've got to be some pros and cons. I think to that process it'd be neat to hear that because i've never been able to ask that question to a guest yeah yeah no i well i wouldn't say that i'm an expert uh because i didn't make them all happen i've been part of companies that were acquired and they were all acquired for different reasons you know the first one was acquired for strategic reasons um for, from the acquirer so so the first company I, I was at that was acquired was a company that was acquired by cisco and back then the voice over IP, voice over IP space had just um, you know, started to boom, and it was going to drive a lot of data traffic. Uh, and so, for Cisco, it was a you know a strategic acquire, um, strategic opportunity. But it's it's been a whole series of um, you know opportunities. I, I think through the acquisitions, ranging from strategic reasons to hostile acquisitions are are sort of the it's the it's, it's the formal word of having you know, stock bought up. Um, of a public company. But I think what I learned through it all was that the thinking about the strategic reasons of why an acquirer wanted to, you know, want to acquire a company oftentimes was, was good to have in mind, especially when I started my own companies. Um, I had, I had a previous company that was acquired by Skype and to them, it was a, a strategic reason. We were actually in the messaging space, you know, Skype was strong on the voice space. And so it was a, you know, it was a, a good fit. We had IP. Um, and so for, you know, I would say going forward, it's always good to have in mind, you know, a high level thinking of what, what could potentially happen down the road. Um, and right. of course, as, as an entrepreneur, that's critical that you have to think ahead and, and see what, uh, what the possible paths uh, for your company are. It's, it seems to me that a lot of, um, you know, say the young entrepreneurs that, that have an idea and they get going with it, that do, do some of them put like, they're thinking too hard about the exit up front instead of maybe working hard on the product. I, I think it's never a bad idea to think about exits, especially if okay. you are raising money. Um, I think yeah. if you're building a company as a cash flow business, you're not as worried about what the outcomes are from an exit perspective. But if you have investors, um, you know you definitely want to to do it because you're responsible for 
right. you know, for right. stakeholders as well. But I think in, in the grand scheme of things, it also makes sure that you're aligning your product either, uh, you know, from a, from a competitive perspective or whether it's a synergistic perspective to, you know, to get partners working with you. I think it's super important to always plan ahead. So it's all part of the, you know, the entrepreneurial path. Well, let's let's talk about what you're doing now, and that is uh, the company's. I'll, what I'm going to call it is productive. I know there's a parent company and some other stuff going on there, but um, I, you tell a great story. I've heard I've heard you say it a couple of different times, and um, like, tell me, let's share with the audience that history of the cell phone. How you talk about that when you uh, were presenting to a room full of people? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so I actually started this company through, you know, some personal experience. Um, so at my last company, we were one of the early innovators in virtual numbers, which was the ability to procure phone numbers, uh, like second phone numbers for uh, your phone calls. But these were phone numbers that people could add on and get additional functionality that were not available on their primary cell phone cell phone numbers and what we learned was that people were excited about these second phone numbers because of the additional feature sets that they got but they really didn't want to have to manage an additional number or have to give out a different number because at the end of the day they always end up either getting confused or people are just going to remain you know keep using the original cell phone number that they had and so they now have multiple numbers they have to manage what we learned therefore was if we were going to provide additional functionality that people were excited about that were truly useful we would have to do it on the primary cell phone number which was really that number that people have have had for you know ultimately decades now and if you think back about the very first phone that you got and you think back about the phone calls on that phone if you got a call you could do one of two things you could either pick up the call or you could hit the red button and you hang up the call and it sends it to voicemail well fast forward potentially decades for some of us and your phone rings and you can either hit the green button to pick up the call or you can hit the red button and and decline the call and so that really hasn't changed. And what we also learned what it's that it wasn't really the ringing part or, or the hangout part that mattered. It was really the conversation and the information that you exchanged during the call that mattered. And so the question was, how do we enable productivity features and for people to work more efficiently with these phone calls? Because even today, when you get a call, you're probably scrambling for a notepad or or if you're lucky, you're sitting in front of a computer with Evernote open or, or some note-taking software and you're able to capture the information manually. And that's what you have to do today. Well, why are we doing things manually? Why are we capturing information manually? Like the other forms of communication that you use, whether it's email or messaging, you don't take notes after you read an email or you don't you know, take notes yep. after you... Uh, read a text message. So this is really the last form of communication today that people have to manually do work because there's no features on top of this basic 
phone calls that we have. So I really wanted to, you know, bring and combine all of the technologies that were available today and enhance the native cell phone calls, uh, you know, on your phone. This works for any salesperson anywhere in the country, right? Yeah, I think it's it's actually a lot deeper than that. It's really interesting because when we first started, um, we had a lot of people asking us if anybody still used the phone call. And, and typically, the people who ask those questions are thinking from a perspective of, hey, I use a lot of video conference calls today. Um, and so everything is moving towards video conference calls. Um, but they forget that you know, there's a whole segment of people that aren't sitting in front of a computer 100% of the time, uh, nor do people have planned voice calls uh, 100% of the time. So it's very much like when messaging came out, you know, people were like, oh, email's going away. Uh, But guess what? Every single communication medium has its purpose, right? So you can probably Think of a time where you've been messaging somebody or or uh, emailing back and forth, and all of a sudden someone decides to just give somebody a call uh, yeah. because they need to you know get things done really quickly. So this is exactly the same. It's never going to replace uh, video calls, just like video calls are never going to replace phone calls because one is planned, one is ad hoc. Uh, just so many reasons uh, they all serve your purpose. So we're focusing in industries where it's the norm for voice calls to be part of this toolkit that people use to conduct their business. And there's a lot of these industries. So real estate is one, sales is one, you know, you get a legal industry, recruiting, and finance. Like we thought we have a whole list of industries that uh, have come to us to, um, you know, to, to integrate with their digital workflows. Well, let's, let's talk about real estate and realtors who live on cell phones. We know that. Talk about the, the, the pain points that you're solving for them. Cause you've, you know, even though real estate is not your background, you have really embraced the real estate world with your product. And I love how you can kind of lay out a scenario as to how this works for a realtor. Yeah, no, great question. So we actually didn't start in real estate. So interestingly, we started out in sales because we uh, we actually came out of an accelerator called Alchemist, uh, which is a B2B and, and an enterprise-focused accelerator uh, up in the Bay Area. And so we were exposed to the Salesforce and HubSpot world, basically the, mm-hmm. the general CRMs uh, that serve the sales market. Um, and so we started there, but we actually started getting a lot of inbound requests for integration with real estate CRMs. And that opened up a, a whole door of new CRMs we, we had never come across. Uh, and realized that in, in every one of these industries, there were systems that people had put in place to try to organize their data. And they had the need to collect information, sort of get that what we call the full 360 for every touch point um, to try to you know, update every customer record, every customer communication. And they were having to do this manually on their phone calls. Every other communication channel had integrations except for this final gap, I guess, they had. And so real estate was really a pull. Um, and, and we realized that this was a perfect use case because agents live on their phone. They're not sitting in front of a computer. They're driving. They're showing. Um, you know, They're multitasking. Like They're really busy. And so 
this was a perfect opportunity for us to bring the technology and try to automate the work for uh, for a realtor. That's that's why we're actually focusing on this industry right now. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and 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 walk through a use case. I mean, I think it's I think first of all, this is what blew my mind the first time I heard it was you know, these integrations are not just like, oh yeah, this is what's, I mean, you're, it's so deep. So let's go, let's walk through. I'm driving down the street. I get a phone call as a realtor. How do I use your product? Yeah. So the first thing we do is when a, when a phone call comes in, we actually pull as much information about the caller for you um, as we can. And these are from public you know, sources, either if you, if this person is someone you've never talked to before, we try to identify the name of the caller for you because the typical information you need to get when somebody calls you is the name um, because this is going to lead to your ability to now go, you know, enter the person as a lead in your CRM uh, or even just to be able to put them into your address book. So we try to look it up for you so you're not having to, to type on the phone. If you have a CRM. We actually call, contact the CRM, pull information about the caller from your CRM to instantly prepare you for the call. So you're not trying to remember, like the name looks familiar, but you can't remember what this person's calling about. The last time you talked to them, it could be six months ago, it could be a year ago, it could be you know one of the 10 or 20 people you're dealing with. So we basically prepare you for the call before you even answer the call. Now, when you answer the call, if you choose, we automatically record and transcribe that conversation for you. And it, it's actually interesting. We've had someone tell us that they don't answer the call when they're driving because they have nothing to write with, which is kind of mind blowing because each call is potentially worth tens of thousands of dollars uh, you know, in this industry. Um, and people are also potentially dialing down lists of agents and if you don't answer the phone, they're not going to leave you a voicemail. They're just going to call the next person. So for us, we want you to be able to be prepared. We want you to be able to have the peace of mind that the conversation that you're having is going to be referenceable. So if you ever need to go back and look up a piece of information that was conveyed to you, you know, a lot of times you can't actually ask the question again because it sounds like you're not listening and you weren't listening. It's all available for you. So we help you to capture that information. You can take notes and the notes are automatically organized by the person that you're speaking with. So you never have to go and at the end of the day, take your long set of notes and go organize them by person. Uh, it's all automatically already organized by person. And then at the end of the call, typically when the other side hangs up, your side hangs up and that's a normal phone call. But with our system, the other side could hang up, but your side actually stays on and the assistant, your call assistant actually asks you if there's any notes that you want to take. So you basically do the brain dump. Two or three things that you want to remember about the call or just summarize the call. And all of that stuff, everything gets pushed to your CRM automatically. So philosophy is that when you're done with your call, you're done with your work. We don't want you to have to save all your work, spend an extra hour at the end of the day trying to organize your notes and manually type information into your CRM. The full voice to CRM experience end-to-end -end is automated. So there's no, that, that nasty phrase, double entry is gone. Double data entry, yes. That, that People already have a tough time doing the first data entry, capturing all that information manually right. in a piece of or typing in and then 
doing a second set of data entry, taking the same data and putting it into a CRM. Uh, absolutely, you got it. So that that double data entry is gone. You know, it's funny. I've, I've talked about CRM to realtors for a long time about how important it is in their world. I mean, they, there's you cannot look. Can it be a Franklin Covey planner? Sure. C- could it be an Excel spreadsheet? Sure. But you know, you, the every time you get a phone call, there's a few things you got to do. One is you've got to document what that call was about, and then you know, I tell people before you were to leave, and this is where they're sitting at their computer. Go ahead and schedule the next call, and. I, if I remember right, you can even do tasks as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's all of the main work, the manual work, the busy work, we call it, on your calls that we've automated away. So tasks are the next big thing. So basically, as you type notes, you might have a whole bunch of notes, but there's only two or three things that you need to do. But those are two or three things that you would now have to put into another list. And so we enable you to integrate the, the to-do items into your CRM. So each CRM comes with a uh, you know a task list as well, follow-up items. And so all of these can also go into your CRM. Now, you notice that I use CRM quite a bit. And I think we, you know, you, you talked about CRM as well. Um, and I think the workflows of agents have gone digital, right? So the most efficient agents, the ones that that have a system, are the ones that get the most done. Um, and I think from an efficiency point of view, this is invaluable. But I think from sort of as, as your business grows, we know that in this in this world, it's really about referrals. It's really about keeping top of mind with your you know, previous clients uh, or even future potential clients. And so a CRM really enables you to do the type of automation where you, you know, remind them. Uh, you might send newsletters, et cetera. And you can't do that with uh, you know, a traditional paper logbook. And and I think the paper logbook works for a little while, but then once you start getting three, four, five books, uh, you can't control the data. Yeah, it's not usable. I heard this question in both of the presentations that we were together. Uh, and that is, hey, is this legal? We're recording stuff? Or isn't it kind of <laughs> creepy? Do I have to tell everybody that we're recording them? How do you handle that? Yeah, great question. So the typical question that we, we would get is, First question is, is this legal? And the answer is yes, we keep you legal. Um, So in the US, federally, the laws are that one party has to know that the call recording is going on. And so this is you. And and basically what this means is that you can't surreptitiously record a conversation between two people without them knowing about it. And that's what this law is. Uh, about. Um, and in 12, 13 states, 12, 13 states, it's two party consent. So, or all party consent. So in 38 states, you know, it's, it's also single party consent, but in, in, in the 12 remaining states, everybody has to know about it. And this is why when you call a business today, you'll hear the disclosure, you know, calls recorded for quality purposes or for training purposes. And so businesses are already doing this. We enable you to have the same type of disclosure on your cell phone calls if you're recording the calls. Now, so now you don't have to disclose. And of course, the reasons can be very specific to your use case. So it doesn't have to be about, you know, training. It could be about compliance. It could be about archival. It could be for note-taking. You can even customize what the recording uh, disclosure message is. And so we have agents that say, you know, for me to provide you with the best service, 
I'm recording, I'm recording the call to take notes. Um, you know, we have ones with a sense of humor and they, they say, uh, I'm recording this call because my memory sucks. It's totally up to you how you want to disclose it. But this is the type of functionality that has traditionally only been available on business lines and call centers. And we're bringing this to your traditional cell phone call. Now, for people that don't want to record both parties, we've added functionality that has never really existed before. So instead of going from, you know, recording everybody to recording nobody, we actually have an option for you to record just yourself. So now at least you can remember what you're committing to, what you're, you know, what you have to do. And if you want, you can reiterate what the other person's saying, but it's really now the ability to have this recording option where only what you're saying is being memorialized. So I think this is really like a step in the innovation in this voice space that, ha that hasn't really seen much innovation to give you the types of functionality that just works for your workflow. Wow, that's this is just like the, this is like the coolest product I've heard of in years. It's just great. Um, but I, like I, I'm just going to guess that you're always thinking ahead, and I don't know what you can reveal here on a podcast. But I'd love to hear, like, what's next? What are you thinking of? Is there something else that can happen that you can share? You can say you can't share. That's fine. Yeah, no, it's, this is a. I, 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 I'm happy to share because I think one of the exciting things is that we're really sparking a lot of imaginations or, or, you know, sort of creativity in our users themselves. So what, what typically happens is they experience a feature and the question that they come back to us is, Hey, can you now do this? So, so one of the applications that we've had has been around um, archival for um, risk mit mitigation purposes. We actually had a, com had a conversation with a, a, uh, a commissioner, a real estate commissioner, who, who said, this is amazing, um, not just from a technology perspective, but because there are actual use cases from a risk mitigation perspective. So whenever there's a complaint you know, from consumer you know, in this industry, the agents are asked for records. So call records, you know, what did you talk to this person about? Uh, describe the conversation. An agent typically goes, I, I don't know. I don't know what I spoke to them about on this date at this time, because nobody really keeps those types of detailed notes. And when the industry is protecting the consumer, you know, it's the burden of proof is really on, you know, the agents to, justify and to support and provide supporting materials for this. And so this actually becomes sort of a, a, a mechanism to provide the accountability, uh, but also protect and, and sort of serve as insurance, you know, for the, the agents. And so that use case was, is one that we're looking into basically the um, ability to mark, you know, in a legal way, what the agreement was between you know two parties the same way as you could pull an email up or a messaging conversation up and have those used, you know, as records of communication. We want to also be able to use the data that people have collected for themselves in order to utilize them for more productivity features. So imagine now 
the conversation is being transcribed in real time, but to be able to extract notes from those conversations so you don't even need to take notes, right? So imagine an agent, typical call, uh, you'd be asking the same eight to 10 questions. You know, uh, how many bedrooms are you looking for? You know, what's your budget? What neighborhoods are you looking for? And this is where the manual data entry and the double data entry comes in. And what we've learned is that there's really two types of data that people care about recording or keeping, which is the detailed information. But then again, there's these takeaways, the key bits of information that you need to enter into the CRM. And so if you can automate, say, the eight questions and be able to capture the answers for the eight questions, ultimately, you can actually put all of these eight questions separate from the rest of your notes, uh, you know, what we call form filling um, or slot filling uh, to automate that work. So there's a whole series of features coming on, you know, working from your desktop. Uh, uh, yeah, I won't disclose all of the features, but you can imagine where this is going. Basically, we're going to help you automate your work and we're going to build what we call autopilot work, where all you have to do is talk and you can sit back, put your, put your feet up and basically all your work gets done for you. So I don't have to send a Google form anymore. You're telling me I can just have a conversation with somebody and everything's just filled in. It's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, and I think this is actually quite important for the industry that, you know, that we're in, in the, in the real estate industry. It's about differentiating yourself with first your relationship, but also, you know, the level of service that you provide. I remember having a conversation and this wasn't in real estate, but this is actually in the insurance industry. We were looking for, for insurance uh, for the company. And um, I had sent out a bunch of uh, requests for quotes from from different brokers, all of them, except one, sent me back a multi-page form that I had to fill in. And one of them said, hey, uh, we need to get a bunch of information from you. Do you have time right now? Because you know I can go through this form and I'll read you the questions and you can just answer them. And I'm like, Thank you. I don't want to have to, you know, enter the information in manually. If I have a question, now I'm shooting an email back, waiting for a response. I just want somebody to spend the time and go through this form with me. Uh, so I, I remember I, I got out from behind my computer, sat back on my chair, reclined, and just had this conversation with this broker. And this broker got my business because they were willing to take the time to do this. And so I think in, in this industry, the more you can enable this type of, you know, interaction where you're, you're providing this level of service, I think that's going to differentiate you from, uh, you know, the other uh, agents that you're you know, potentially competing against. Well, I'm, I'm watching the clock and, and it's your, you're in this, you're still in your workday a little bit. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask you the, the same final question I've asked 311 previous guests, right? And I know you're not a realtor by trade, but I know you'll be able to come up with with uh, an answer. And that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? Yeah, I would say start early and have a system. A, a digital system is preferable. Um, you know, it, it, and it could be I've heard agents start with Excel. 
but very quickly you'll realize that, uh, or, or Google Docs, but very quickly you'll realize that the ability to get the data that you've input to into another system or to utilize it is where the power of the digitization of data comes in. So as soon as you can get an, a CRM, and, and there's a lot of options out there, right? So price is, it shouldn't be, what holds you back. A lot of the CRMs are actually provided by brokerages today. But as soon as you have a system, then start diligently using it. So keeping it up to date, you know, keeping the leads in there, um, you know, updating it with the communications, when you spoke to them, what you talked to them about. And this way you can actually build this system where you're maintaining your relationships. Um, and I think what's come up in, in, uh, you know, recent events that you and I have been to as well is really to create that flywheel for enabling you to build that that uh, you know client base without you having to cold recruit anymore. Because over time, you know, you're going to be able to build up your reputation. And I mean, kudos to what you're doing. I think this is this is your critical part of this flywheel, right? And it starts with the first client that you're going to get. You're going to do a great job because you're going to be able to be responsive with all the the uh, technology that you're using. Uh, you're going to be able to remember what they need and serve them really quickly. And then they are happy with what you do. You know, tell the world about it. And from there, you just generate the the referrals. Um, yeah. And really, that's how the most successful agents do it today is, is really just building that flywheel of success that just builds on itself. And like if... If I want to reach out to you or I want to find productive, you probably have a, a couple of places you can send me. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So our website is productive.app.app. And I'm always available. You can reach me uh, at nly at productive.app. That's me as an Edward and as a Nancy, L-A-I at productive.app. This has been great. I, I'm so I'm so happy you agreed to be on the show. Uh, I'll see you in the future at other events and things as we move on. Uh, and I I've got a few people here in the St. Pete area that um, I'm going to turn on to this tool, and I I, gu- I guarantee you they're going to sign up. This is fantastic. One of them likes to golf and be on the phone on the golf course. It's perfect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, do. We'll, we'll we'll do all the work for them while they're on the right. golf course. <laughs> and Lai, thank you so much for your time today. This is great. Thanks for the invite, Bill. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. (laughs) 